Welcome to the Learning Languages and Society with Gabby podcast, where it's all about the fascinating world of languages and culture. Let's rock. Hi, everybody. My name is Gabby, and welcome back to my show. In our last episodes, we covered the Italian alphabet. We learned useful vocabulary. We learned the articles and the conjugation in the present tense of regular verbs. And today we're going to explore the cardinal numbers in Italian. And we're going to learn by heart a little dialogue between two individuals who both speak Italian and who both live and work in Madrid, Spain. Depending on the number of digits, numbers can be divided in ones, tens, hundreds, thousands, etc. First, we are going to learn one-digit numbers, also called ones. So from zero to nine, here's a list. Numeri a una cifra. Zero, uno, due, tre, quattro, cinque, sei, sette, otto, nove. So that would be zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Now, we're going to have a look at two-digit numbers or tens. So, take into account these are irregular numbers. So, from 11 to 19, numeri a due cifre irregolari. Undici, dodici, tredici, quattordici, quindici, sedici, diciassette, diciotto, 19. So that would be 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Now let's have a look at tens. One digit numbers plus a zero. So from 10 to 90, numeri a due cifre con uno zero. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. So that would be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Now, in order to add a number at the end, just write the whole two-digit number first plus the digit you wish to add. For example, if I wish to say 42, I would first say 40 plus 2. In Italian, this works the same way. 40 più 2, 42. Take into account that these numbers are written in one single word in Italian. So, 42 is just one word. 26 would be 20 plus 6. So, 26 in Italian, we would have 20 più 6. 26. 73 would be 70 plus 3. And in Italian, 70 più 3, 73, which is also written in just one word. Now, be mindful that the number 1 and the number 8 both start with a vowel. So if you add them to a number ending with a zero, and that's ending in vowel, Remember not to write nor pronounce the last vowel. So 40 plus 1, 40 più 1, 
Quarantuno. Fifty plus eight. Cinquanta più otto. Cinquantotto. Now we have hundreds. Cento, duecento, trecento, quattrocento, cinquecento, seicento, settecento, ottocento, novecento. So that would be one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred. As you can see, it is very simple. Just be sure to add the unit plus the word hundred or cento. If you wish to add an extra unit, just add the number at the end. Example, 254 would be 254. Also written in just one word, 254. Now, 699 would be 699. So, just one word as well, 699. The number 100 and all the hundreds, 200, 300, 400, etc., in fact, do not lose the final vowel. We will then write the following numbers as follows. So, 101, 101, 108, 108, 308, 308, 401, 401, 408, 408. Exceptions. The numbers made up of hundreds plus 80. For example, 180, 280, 380, etc. Instead, return to lose the final vowel. We will therefore write 180, 280, 380, 880 as follows. So 180, 180, 280, 280, 380, 380, 880, 880. Okay, now... Here we go with the thousands, one thousand, mille. For the rest, we just change the vowel E to A. Examples. Two thousand, duemila, three thousand, tremila, four thousand, quattromila, five thousand, cinquemila, six thousand, seimila, seven thousand, 7000, 8000, 8000, 9000, And as usual, just add a one-digit number at the end to make your number. For example, 1,888, 1,443,1,443. And then we have millions. Un milione, so one million. Due milioni, two millions. Good. Now, I'm going to give you a few numbers in English, and I want you to please write down the numbers in Italian. Remember the rules and exceptions. 
So the list goes on like this. 7, 13, 11, 12, 15, and 20. 21, 28, 25, 100, 167, 188, 1,874, and the last one, 1,181. There you go. So try to write down those numbers in Italian. Just take into account, as I said before, the rules and exceptions. Okay, okay. Now, as I, as I promised, I am going to read to you a very short and simple dialogue. Ideally, I want you to memorize this dialogue. So I want, I want you to learn the dialogue by heart. The vocabulary should be easy to understand with your previous lessons. Okay. Now, the dialogue is between Julia, a French language teacher who lives in Madrid, Spain, and Gianni, an Italian engineer who also happens to live in Madrid, Spain. So they both meet in Spain, but they, they speak Italian to each other. Okay? So here we go. Julia. Ciao. Mi chiamo Julia. Piacere. Come ti chiami? Gianni. Mi chiamo Gianni, piacere. Giulia. Di dove sei Gianni? Gianni. Sono italiano di Bologna e tu? Giulia. Sono Giulia, francese di Parigi. Gianni. Quanti anni hai, Giulia? Giulia. Ho 33 anni e tu? Gianni. Ho 31 anni. Giulia. Che lavoro fai? Gianni, faccio l'ingegnere. E tu, che lavoro fai? Giulia, faccio l'insegnante di lingue. Gianni, dove abiti? Giulia, abito a Madrid in Spagna. E tu? Gianni, anch'io abito a Madrid. Giulia, perché sei in Spagna? Gianni, Sono in Spagna per lavoro. Giulia. Anch'io sono in Spagna per lavoro. Gianni. Ci vediamo presto, Giulia. Giulia. Con piacere, a presto. Okay. There you go. So you have to learn this little dialogue by heart. Okay. I think it's uh, pretty, pretty easy. And I hope you, you can translate it without any problems. Good, good. Now we are in the second part of this episode called The Science of Language. In, this, in the last episode, we were reviewing a paper written by Stefan Hartman and Michael Player called Constructing a Consensus on Language Evolution, Convergences and Differences Between Bilinguistic and Usage-Based Approaches. We said that, that although there are significant differences in the way that both approaches view the following concepts, modularity, domain specificity versus domain generality, as well as innateness and development, there are recent approximations between the two, as both approaches have integrated evolutionary developmental biology theory and complex adaptive system theory. 
Now, we are going to have a look at the approach known as biolinguistics. Biolinguistics could be traditionally associated with the generative theory of language in which the biological foundations of language is taken into account and viewed from an interdisciplinary perspective. However, there is a new version of it called Biolinguistics 2.0. Wow! In which there is a characterization of a methodological approach of productively and explicitly combining research from different fields, such as evolutionary biology, psychology, and related disciplines. Now, in this, pair, in this paper, the version of biolinguistics that will be taken into account is the first and most traditional version, namely the generative uh, biolinguistic enterprise. Now, bear in mind that the biolinguistic enterprise is closely related to the minimalist program initiated by Chomsky in 1995. Now, the key commitment of the minimalist framework is the reduction of the computations and theoretical operations needed to explain language. And this is done by the intention of explaining the evolution of language with a key conceptual component called merge. Okay, merge is what? Merge is a syntactic operation. It takes uh, two syntactic objects and creates a new one out of them. Now, the new syntactic object created by merge inherits, inherits the features of one of the components. Okay, now, what is modularity? Modularity mainly refers to the idea that the mind is sectioned into different specialized modules, okay? Now, each module takes care of a specific cognitive role, so to speak. Between usage-based and biolinguistic approaches, the main disagreements revolve around what components exactly of language are specific to this particular cognitive module. Now, language shares many mechanisms with other species, such as concepts and categories, which underlie semantics. Voluntary control over vocalization, which underlies phonology, or sequencing and working memory, which can be seen as underlying syntax. There is nevertheless disagreement to what extent they belong strictly to the linguistic phenotype. Now, traditional biolinguistics define a cognitive module as a genetically specified computational device in the mind that works pretty much on its own on inputs pertaining to some specific cognitive domain and provided by other parts of the nervous system. Now, the modules typically proposed in traditional biolinguistics include a mental lexicon, and a module containing abstract compositional structures. Now, they argue that many of the modules relevant for language are specific to language, but concede that they may or may not be separate, separately represented in neural tissue. We can distinguish two different aspects of modularity that play a role in biolinguistics. On the one hand, the idea that language is a distinct module of the mind, And on the other hand, the idea that this module is characterized by a modular structure in itself. 
However, some linguists do not favor this theory because they argue that a highly modular faculty of language could only have evolved via natural selection, which would have taken much longer than the 50,000 or 100,000 years since language first emerged. So they, they would discard that theory, okay? Now, we have the concept of domain specificity, which links to that of modularity, okay? Domain specificity is a theoretical position in cognitive science that argues that many aspects of cognition are supported by specialized, presumably evolutionarily spe specified learning devices, the class of objects and properties that it processes information about is circumscribed in a relatively narrow way. Now, in usage-based approaches, it is said that language is not shaped by any domain-specific factors, but rather by processes of human interaction along with domain-general cognitive processes. So, basically, uh, as you can see, both approaches take a different stance in the sense that in usage-based approaches, the general cognitive capacities we have as humans for communication, etc., are enough to explain the tools of the makeup of the faculty of language. And in the case of traditional biolinguistics, the theoretical framework of modularity and domain specificity explains it. Okay, so that is it for now. In the next episode, I'm going to try to explain domain generality. So what the differences are between the two approaches. I'm going to try to explain innateness and development as well. Anyhow, I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. And please be sure to subscribe. Big hugs. Bye-bye.